Welcome back to Shada B'Tochen. This is class five. Is it class five already? Can it be already? And we're going to be continuing where we left off in the last class. We were discussing how the Baal B'Tochen, the one who has trust in Hashem, is better off even than an alchemist. Can you imagine that? An alchemist, we were saying that uh, a thousand years ago in Spain, the uh, example, the epitome of somebody who really had it made, he had really a, a sweet situation, would be an alchemist, right? A guy who can turn lead into gold. He has a virtual license to print money. He can be as rich as he wants to. He's, he, he's on easy street, as they say. And, uh, and yet, the one who has trust in Hashem is better off, better off, not just as well off, but better off than an alchemist, and in 10 ways, in no less than 10 ways. And the Rebbeinu Bechaya has been enumerating those ways in which the one who trusts in Hashem is better off even than an alchemist. And we left off, <clears throat> we had finished the fifth way. So just to review very, very quickly, and Emirat Hashem, in tonight's class, we will be able to finish all of them. The first one is regarding materials. He doesn't always know if he has access to the materials that he needs in order to do his alchemy stuff. Whereas the one who has trust in Hashem, what materials does he have to go out to the store and buy? Everything he gets, he's getting it straight from Hashem. The second thing we said is that the alchemist when he's doing his work, he can actually harm himself. The work itself is not without peril and danger. But uh, no such harm exists to receive one's sustenance directly from Hashem. The third thing we said is that he has a stressful life. Um, because, well, I didn't mention this clearly enough, I think, last time. Let me, let me explain it a little bit more. Um, he's essentially an outlaw. He's, I mean, more or less, he's a counterfeiter because he's making, he's making money, he's making gold. And uh, in fact, this detail is brought out in one of the commentaries. Uh, and the, I think in the second class, we mentioned that there are a few commentaries that often are printed along with the Chavis Halavavis. And I think the first one we mentioned was the Pas Lechem. One of the other commentaries that's very often printed on the page is the Teiv Halavonin. And the Teiv Halavonin there explains that the reason he's so stressed out is because he's, he's essentially, he's, he's, he's breaking the law. You know, <laughs> think about it in, in modern equivalents. You know, there might be someone who has a very lucrative job, you know, a, a cash business that makes a lot of money, but it's not necessarily so legal. So it's, it's, a, it's a stressful life. You know, he's looking over his shoulder, right? Okay. Um, but by the way, if you want to do illegal activity, just buy a mattress store. <laughs> then, <laughs> you know about that conspiracy theory that all the mattress stores are mob fronts for, okay. Anyways, money laundering schemes. The, the, why are there three mattress stores on one intersection? Okay. At any rate, i say I gave you another thing to, to keep you up at night. Okay. Don't say we don't have fun here. Shout out to Okay. Uh, that's the third thing about the, the alchemist. The fourth thing um, 
is he has to worry about keeping materials on hand. And so he's not really sure, should he stock up? Uh, but then, you know, he, 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 he's not liquid. He ties up his assets in his alchemy stuff. Or should he not stock up? But then, you know, he's, he's not sure he's going to have to run out to the store three times. He's going to have to go to the alchemy store in the middle of the night. You know, it's going to be... Uh, going to be a schlep. So he has that to worry about, whereas the one who has bitachin, he doesn't have any worry like that. Sort of related to to uh, number one, difference number one, but a little, little bit different as well. Um, number five is the, the secrecy that um, he, the emotional toll that it takes that he's, he's, he's living in secrecy because he can't let anybody know that he's doing this, this magic. And uh, the Balabetochen, in contrast, there's no secret at all. It's, uh, he's totally transparent. You know, his books are open. Total transparency, which is, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that your books are squeaky clean. That's the Balabetochen. Okay, now, let's continue. Difference number six. Difference number six. This is like a top ten list. Vahashishi and the sixth difference. Shabala kmiya ene betuch mechaloyim vahamadvim shema arbavin olov simchose baoshroi veena manichin ese lehonis memashi yeshloi valay lesanig vima shesiga yode. The alchemist is not safe from illness or disease, which spoil his pleasure in his wealth and prevent him from enjoying his possessions and delighting in his acquisitions. So it, it's interesting. I was thinking about this, this idea that he's not free from illness. that will mar his ability to enjoy his wealth. Meaning he can be very, very, very wealthy and he can't enjoy it. There's a, a famous Yud Aleph Nissen Fabrengen. The Lubavitcher Rebbe's birthday is Yud Aleph Nissen. The Rebbe would always Fabreng, lead a, a birthday gathering on that date. So in Tovshin uh, Lamed Vav, that's 1976, at the Yud Aleph Nissen Fabrengen, the Rebbe was speaking about, basically, the Bill Gates of that time. He was like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett all wrapped into one. In the 70s, who was the big tycoon? It was Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes had just died. April 5th, 1976, was Hey Nissan. So the fifth day of Nissan, exactly six days before the Rebbe's birthday in 1976. At that Fabrengen, the Rebbe was speaking about freedom. Yud Aleph Nissen is just a few days before Pesach. And it was very often that the, the, the Rebbe's birthday, Fabrengen, would focus on a theme <clears throat> of liberty, of freedom, because that's what, that's what Pesach is all about, a festival of freedom. Zman Cherusenu, the season of our, our, our freedom, our liberation. And over there, the Rebbe was speaking about freedom and saying how not only can money not buy you freedom, but that we see somebody just passed away, and everyone knew who the Rebbe was talking about, who had all the money in the world, and it couldn't buy him security. 
and he was miserable and he was a shut-in and he was paranoid and he lived in fear and in the end of his life he had uh, there was nothing to envy with all of his with all of his wealth he couldn't enjoy it he couldn't enjoy it nobody would want to live such a life because he he, he couldn't live he couldn't he couldn't live he couldn't allow himself to enjoy his wealth so just an illustration in, in, in modern times, as if we needed uh, proof, but it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting reference to uh, teaching of the Rebbe at Fabrengen. Let's continue inside. Um, now, oh, the question. Hold on a second. So you're going to say the one who trusts in Hashem is better off than the one, than the alchemist, because the alchemist can get sick and then he won't be able to enjoy his wealth. A Bala Betochen can't get sick? That's what you're telling me? That someone who trusts in Hashem won't get sick? So, obviously, we have to address that. Um, so, Rebbeinu Bechaya continues and says like this, The one who trusts in Hashem, He is free from, or he is secure, knowing that he is free from, Sickness and disease. Ella, except, what's the exception? Alderech ha-kapara. He says two things. Alderech ha-kapara, as an atonement. Ay, or alternatively, or alderech ha as a substitution, or as a trade-off. What does that mean? What's that talking about? There's being sick, and then there's being sick. The Balab Tochen may very well get sick, but it's not for naught. It's not for naught. He knows that when he experiences, God forbid, God forbid, but when he experiences illness, that it is a productive experience. Either it's alderech ha it's for atonement, or it's alderech ha it's an exchange. Let's talk about both of those things. Alderech ha what does that mean? You know, it talks about in Tanya, in the third Volume of Tanya, Chelek Gimel of Tanya, which is also known as Igeres Hateshuvah, the letter of return or repentance. So over in Perek Yud base of Igeres Hateshuvah, at the very end of Igeres Hateshuvah, the Alter Rebbe over there speaks about how Gehenim, you know, in Chassidus, we don't focus on Gehenim. There's only a couple of places in all of Tanya that mention Gehenim. I think in the first volume of Tanya, in Perek Ches, it speaks a little bit there about Gehenim, Gehenim Shalshelig, and about Kafa Kella, about Chibat Kever, And also here, at the end of Yigeras HaTshuva, it mentions a little bit about Gehenim. It's not that Gehenim doesn't exist, it's just it's not a focus. There are better, motiva- better motivators for a Jew to serve Hashem than, than the fear of uh, Gehenim. At any rate, he speaks over there about Gehenim. He says that Ramban explains how the 70 years of suffering of Eov doesn't equal one moment in Gehenim. Okay, that's the exchange rate, so to speak. So Gehenim is a serious punishment. One moment there is more intense than 70 years of whatever Job went through. Okay. However, here's the good news. It also happens to work. There's another exchange rate which is lopsided, and that is suffering that occurs in this world. That a very little amount of suffering in this world 
can buy off and remove an incredibly large amount of suffering in Gehenna. And he explains over there with a mushal about the Hilo Hashemesh, with all apologies to the uh, heliocentrists. The Hilo Hashemesh means that when the sun moves, the sun is moving millions of miles. And yet down on earth, the shadow is only moving a few inches. You know, look at the shadow of a, go, go look out your, your back window and look at the shadow from the, from the fence or, uh, you know, from a bird feeder or, you know, something that's out in the backyard and just watch it from the morning till the afternoon to the, till sunset. So the shadow's moving, you know, a few inches, a few feet, but that represents millions of miles of movements of the celestial spheres, of the orbits. So what, what is that teaching us? That's teaching us about leverage. That a very little amount of movement down here on the face of the earth can represent massive sized movements, literally astronomical, literally astronomical sized movements up there. Well, the same thing is that a little bit of suffering down here can wipe up a lot of uh, debt, purgatorial debt, uh, that one might, God forbid, have waiting for him at the end after 120. So, here's the thing. When the Baal Bitochin experiences sickness, he knows that he's getting a good deal. We're Jews, we like a good deal. Trust me, you're getting, it's a bargain, you're getting a great deal. Great exchange rate, okay? Not like the currency exchange at the airport, don't ever do it. A great exchange, use, when you go to, a, you use your you use your bank card in the ATM. That's you'll get the best exchange. That, by the way, thank you to Dan's deals. Okay. At any rate, <clears throat> that's Alderech HaKapora. Alderech, what was the second thing? Alderech HaTmura. What's the Tmura? Exchanging it for what? Exchanging it for spiritual attainment. That a little bit of physical pain, and not to minimize... God forbid, somebody who's going through illness. But relatively speaking, in comparison, the suffering that a person has in this world going through illness compared to what can be gained spiritually is uh, it's, 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 it's not to be compared. It's disproportionately great. Um, in fact, it's interesting regarding this. So I mentioned earlier uh, one of the commentaries on Chavis Halavaves. There's another one, Menayach Halavaves. The Menayach Halavaves explains like this. What does it mean that a person goes through suffering in this world as an exchange? There's a Gemara, Menaches Chavtes Amid Beis, and it talks about how Meish Rabbeinu, was shown the greatness of Rabbi Akiva. In fact, <clears throat> we're coming up to Shavuos right now. Meisha Kibbal Teda Messina. Meisha is the one who received Teda at Mount Sinai. And uh, in fact, Meisha questioned that himself because when he saw, when he foresaw Rabbi Akiva and the level of learning that Rabbi Akiva was engaged in, he, he, he asked Hashem, how come the Teda wasn't given to him, to Rabbi Akiva, or through him? Then, Meish Rabbeinu saw 
the end of Rabbi Akiva, how he was brutalized, how he was tortured by the Romans. We read about it in the uh, Aveda Anyim Kippur and the Asara Haruge Malchus, the Ten Martyrs. So Meshe Rabbeinu, in the, in the Gemara in Menachis, Meshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, he says, how, how is this just? How is this fair? This is okay? This is Teira and its reward? So Hashem tells Meshe Rabbeinu, Shesayk, be quiet, silent. Kach such it arose in my will. That's the simple interpretation. Shesayk, be quiet, don't question. This is how it arose in my will. Meaning, this is what I decided to do. This is divine fiat. This is what I decided. But the Menayah Chalavavis explains, how do you read this Gemara? A little bit different. We expound the words like this. Meisha begs Hashem, how could it be that someone as great as Rabbi Akiva is being tortured? And Hashem says, Shaykh, be quiet, you don't understand. Kach, in this way, Allah, he's going up, Biritsaini, to be more favorable before me, in, in my, in my rotsain, in my favor, in my will. As favored as he was all of his life, through all of his Aveda, everything he had done, now through this, Kach, Allah, Biritsaini, he's coming to an even higher level of divine favor. In other words, that's what we mean that a person may experience hardships in this life, but it's not for naught. It's not for naught. It's either, like we said, it's atonement for sins, it's taking off Gehenna, or it's he's actually being elevated spiritually by the experience. Okay. Kamesha Kosov, like it says, let's continue inside. Kamesha Kosov, Vayifu, Narim, Vigo, Vachurim, even youths tire and grow weary, young men stumble and fall. That's talking about the people who we think of as being strong and competent, and, 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 and they fall. However, those who get by on their hope in Hashem, their strength is renewed. And it says, the arms of the wicked will be broken, while Hashem supports the righteous. Let's go now to seven. Item number seven on our list. Vashvi in the seventh one. Shabal akmiya afshe shaloi yegiya el mezayne b'mashi yesh etzle min azov v'hakasef mipnei shaloi yia o'eichel nimtza bi'irai b'ktas ho'itim. The alchemist may not be able to sustain himself with all the gold and silver in his possession, for times may come when there will be no food in his city. Like it says in Yechezkel, they, they will throw their silver into the streets because it will be worthless. And it says, Sifania says, Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them. What does that mean? This is a little bit different than item number one. Item number one was that the materials that he needs to do his alchemy may be scarce. Here is number seven. He has the materials. He did his alchemy. He got his gold. He's got his gold. He's got his silver. But you know something? You can't eat gold. Can't eat gold. Can't eat silver. You got to go buy food with gold and silver. 
And if there's a famine and there's no gold and silver, and uh, if the shelves are empty, you can have all the gold and silver in the world, and it's not going to do you one, one bit of good. You can be the richest man in the world, and if resources are scarce, that's it. All your, all your gold and silver did you nothing. However, in contrast, The one who has betochin, who trusts in Hashem, he will not have withheld from his, will not have withheld from him his sustenance all of his days. like it says, In hunger he will redeem you from death. And it says, Hashem Hashem is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. The Amar, and it says, They are not ashamed at an evil time. In days of famine, they have plenty. In other words, if the person is relying that he's always going to have what he needs because he's got money, sometimes money can't buy you anything. But if you're relying on it coming from Hashem, Hashem will find a way. Number eight, Vashmini. The alchemist can't stay in one place for too long. He's got to be on his way because he's afraid they're going to find out his gig. However, one who, who trusts in Hashem. So he is... Uh, in security in his land, and tranquility in his place, like it says, trust in Hashem, and do good, dwell in the land and see faith. And it says, the righteous will inherit the land and abide in it forever. There are other places where that means something else. It's talking about Elam Haba. Here, Rabbeinu Bachaya says it in a very literal way that those who get their emotional security from their betochen, from their relationship with Hashem, literally, they're not going to have to move around a lot. Okay? They're going to, they're going to be able to dwell in their land. Kipshute, literally, they're going to be, they're going to be able to, you know, they're not going to have to leave the neighborhood. They're not going to have to leave town. Okay? Number nine. Fahachi. And the ninth thing, The alchemist's skill will not accompany him at his latter end, meaning at death. And in this world, he obtains by it nothing but security against poverty and freedom from dependence on other people. In other words, best case scenario, when it does work out, when it does buy him uh, dependence from others and, and, and he buys him security, to whatever extent it does work, that stuff is transitory. That stuff, that stuff is fleeting. He can't take that with him. He can't take that with him in the other world. There's a story. It's an old urban myth, a Jewish urban myth. Um, so, therefore, I'm not going to tell it the way that it's normally told because the family of the person who they say it about has begged people to stop saying it about him because it's not true. Okay? So, I'm telling you right up front, this is a great story and it's so fun to tell it as if it happened to a well-known philanthropist, but it didn't. But it doesn't matter. We're going to still tell the story, but we're not going to say the, the fake name. Okay. Anyways, there was a well-known philanthropist in the Jewish world a religious Jew, a God-fearing Jew. And he passed away. 
and his children got the tzava, they got the will, the last will and testament. And among many other things there, at the end there was a rider, there was a detail, and it said, I want to be buried in my socks, my favorite pair of socks. So the children went to the Rav and they said, can we do this for our father? He, he, he asks, we want to honor him. The Rav said, you, you know, you, that's not how it's done. There's tachichim, burial shrouds, and that's it. No, no socks. And they said, but, but Rabbi, this is, what, this is what our father asked. I mean, he, he asked for this. We, how could we not do it? The Rav said, I'm sorry, this is not Torah. You cannot do this, and this is not what we do as Jews. And it was, it was a very respectable rabbi. He didn't buckle. Anyways, um, so um, why should I tell the story with all the flourishes? We already know it's fake. At any rate, the point is that um, they buried him. They had the Levite. They couldn't, they couldn't, the sock thing didn't work out. Okay, fine. Anyway, so then there was a letter that it said to be opened at the Shleishim, at the 30-day memorial. So they all gather. You got to build it up. They all gather. And they all, okay, whatever. Right. And then they get up, and the oldest son gets up, and he opens the letter to be read at the Shleishim. He opens it up, and he pulls out the letter, and he reads, My dear family and friends, by now it will be 30 days since you will have buried me in my socks. Okay, that's in pause for laughter. Since you have buried me in my socks, you should know that what was I telling you? That you can be one of the wealthiest men and uh, in the end of it all, you can't even bring a pair of socks. Okay, so the point is it never happened, but it doesn't matter that it never happened. It's a great story and it's true, by the way. You can't bring your socks. And the alchemist cannot bring his alchemy, okay? So what he has... It's not going to stand with him in the end. He can't bring it with him. Okay. Whereas in contrast, the one who trusts in Hashem, the reward for his trust will stand with him in this world, meaning in all the ways we spoke about, it just emotionally, it's just a healthier life. It's a better life. And then after it's all done, the reward for that trust will stand with him in the spiritual world forever. Kameshikosov, like it says, Vabeitech Bahashem, one who trusts in Hashem, Chesed Yesevavenu, kindness will surround him. And also it says, Viomer, it says, How great is the good that you have hidden away for those who fear you. The good that's been hidden away. That means in addition to the good life in this world, there is the um, reward, the eternal reward in the world to come. Okay, we're about to finish it off. The tenth way in which the Baal Bitochen is better off than an alchemist. Vosiri and the tenth. Shabalakmiya im yevoda inyone. If his matter is known. By the way, you ever heard of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? He was a friend of Sherlock Holmes. No, I'm joking. He wrote the fictitious character Sherlock Holmes. Anyways, 
um, Arthur Conan Doyle. I don't know if this happened either, but it's one of those, I, I saw it on the internet. Anyways, so this is why the internet is no good. Anyways, so Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had a bet with his friends, or he had an argument, like a, an argument in some pub. Everyone has a secret. Everyone has skeletons in the closet, okay? Don't run for president. Everyone has skeletons in the closet. So he said, uh, so his friend was like, no, not everyone has skeletons in the closet. So he says, yes. Who are the three most respectable men in London that you know? So he named them three guys. And he says, okay, no problem. I'm going to prove, come, come see me tomorrow. So then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, he went and he sent the telegram to these three guys. And all it said was, the matter is known, flee at once. And uh, the next day, all three of those guys fled London and they never came back. Okay, so <clears throat> my research department will check out if that's a true story. And then we could debunk it like we debunked the socks story. At any rate, okay. So the, the, the alchemist is worried that his matter will be known. <clears throat> and then, Tia Sibas Moisai, it will lead to his death. Because his thing that he's, he's toiling in, it's against nature. It's unnatural. You're not supposed to be able to turn lead into gold. And the leader of the world, meaning Hashem, the one who directs all, all of me, Hashem will arrange things, not in a miraculous way, not in a ten plague smiting kind of way, but in a natural way, Hashem will work it out that this guy will run into somebody who will take his life. However, one who trusts in Hashem, his security comes only from his relationship with Hashem. When they find out his secret, you know what we found out about him? He's a Baal Betochen. He trusts in Hashem. When he's exposed as one who trusts in Hashem, you know what's going to happen to him? The exact opposite. He's going to be elevated in the eyes of the creations. People are going to be impressed with him. People are going to honor him. And they are going to bless. They're going to... Uh, they're going to feel blessed by, his, uh, by, by seeing him and by being near him. He will be the cause of the, the rectification of his city. Actually, his merit will thwart um, negative instances from happening. From all the people who live there. His chos will, will, will shield all of them. Like it says, the tzaddik says that the, the tzaddik, the righteous person, is the foundation of the world. Or like light, Avram's nephew light, who relatively wasn't such a tzaddik to, compared to Avram, but compared to the, his neighborhood where he lived, he was a big tzaddik, and he was a merit for tzayar. They weren't wiped out in, when, when Hashem destroyed that whole valley with Damon and Meira. And the point is, that the, the, the alchemist, he's got a dirty secret that he doesn't want anyone to find out. But the Baal Betochen, no secret at all. And when people will find out about it, they will be grateful to him because they'll say, we're so lucky that we have somebody with your sterling character who lives among us. It's good for us. It benefits us. And uh, <clears throat> I'll mention one more commentary on the, on the uh, Shara Betochen, and then we'll finish up for tonight. There's the Marpele Nefesh. 
The Marpel and Nefesh says, what does it mean that his presence benefits everyone in his city? He says it's similar to the Gemara in Brochus. The Gemara in Brochus, Yod Zayin Amit Beis, that says Hashem announces every day with a bas koil. Koil ha'elam nizaynim bishvil chanina b'ni. The entire world is sustained because of Hanina, Hanina ben Desa, the great Tana, Bni, my son. So the entire world is sustained because of the merit of Hanina. And uh, the Balshamtov explains what does it mean, Bishvil Hanina Bni. Shvil means a path, a conduit. So Bishvil. Kola Elam Nizain, and the whole world gets its Mizainus, its sustenance. Beshvil, through the Shvil, through the pipeline created by the Betochen of Hanina ben Deisa, that his, his trust in Hashem is sufficient not only to bring down sustenance to himself, but for the entire world. And every Baal Betochen can have that, uh, that good influence on his surroundings. So that's a tenth way in which the Baal Betochen is superior even to the alchemist. And we have now finished the list of ten ways. And... Uh, we will, Emir Hashem, Be'ezus Hashem, continue tomorrow night.